Please be seated. Two weeks in a row, that is quite some gospel. Thank you, Luke. Um, <clears throat> I want to start the same way I did last week. How does that gospel make you feel? I'm acutely aware that we are living in the United States, that we live or at least worship in Marin, California, and that our beloved church, St. John's, is planted in Ross. As we read this story of the rich man and the poor man, Lazarus. So let's see what the invitation for us might be today. To recap, there is a rich man and at his gate lies a poor man named Lazarus who is so poor, he is so um, needing of everything that he would have been happy with the scraps that fell from his neighbor's table. He sits at the rich man's gate, which implies that the rich man passes him perhaps many times a day. They both die. And in the story, we have this picture of the afterlife where the rich man is tormented in Hades and the poor man, Lazarus, is that the text literally says, held in the bosom of Abraham. He is being held and supported and nourished. And then there's this conversation between the character of Abraham and the rich man. So a couple questions for you. Who is named in this story? It's Lazarus. We know the name of the poor man, but we don't know the name of the rich man. My next question is, who is Abraham speaking with? He's speaking with the rich man. So some might enter into the story and look at it like it is a picture of the afterlife that is to come. But we know from the way Jesus spoke about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, often referred to as the reign of God. In our diocese, we talk about beloved community. I have a friend who refers to it as the economy of God. In the economy of God... It is here and now, according to Jesus in the Gospels. It is not something that we look forward to later on. There is some aspect of that, but it is here and now. It is like the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God have come near, have drawn close in Jesus. And in life in Christ, we are invited to live firmly planted in that space, firmly planted in God's economy. So instead of looking at this story as a tale of what may be to come, what could be saying about life now? Lazarus, who suffered. Lazarus, who was somebody that lived in need. Lazarus, who hovered at the gate of wealth, is received and cared for. And then you have the rich man who walked past this man not seeing him. And when he dies, when the rich man dies, he's like, Abraham, let me go back. I have brothers. Let me go back or send somebody so that my brothers won't be caught in this same sort of torment. And I wonder what sort of torment we're talking about because what if it was the torment of realizing all that he didn't do, all that he didn't say, 
when he was alive, when he could have helped. And Abraham's response, his wise response is, but I have. I have sent prophets. There are stories after stories in our sacred scripture. And then Abraham, in this story, in Jesus' story, offers this foretaste. He says, even if somebody were to die and rise again, they still wouldn't believe, they still wouldn't change their ways. There's a lot of mercy in the heart of this story. The rich man is in conversation with Abraham, who may be standing in for the figure of God. There is mercy in the way that Abraham is communicating with the rich man and saying, but, but don't you see? It's all available. All this insight into the way things could be is available. These past weeks, we have celebrated four different funerals for lives of really interesting, loving, wise, kind men. I've seen many of your faces over the past few days at some of the funeral services. Yesterday, we honored the life of the Reverend Bill Rankin, who was one of our clergy. He preached frequently from that pulpit, and we will miss his voice tremendously. Somebody said yesterday, I'm paraphrasing, that Bill was the sort of person that could look into you and see your potential and help draw that out of you. And that was resonated in not just the person who said that, but in the ways that Bill was spoken about yesterday. Bill was that kind of person. He could see the potential and help draw it out. And in that way, and in many other ways, but in that way, Bill was like Christ. I believe Jesus is telling this story. He's telling this story after telling other stories about wealth, about being lost, about being found. The Gospel of Luke is a lot about those on the outside and welcoming them in. In the Gospel of Luke, it is said that Jesus has offers preferential treatment for the poor. I believe Jesus was walking around just like Bill, seeing into people and seeing their potential. I believe Jesus sees into us and sees our potential. What is the potential in this story? In this living text. I don't know that Lazarus was a good guy or a bad guy. He just happened to not have wealth. And the juxtaposition is the one who did have wealth. Now we do know from the story that Lazarus saw, that Lazarus had awareness. And the rich man, he didn't see. He didn't see the need. He didn't see the ways in which he could help. I often think that Jesus' invitation to us is to help us stretch a little wider, to help us step into spaces that are a little uncomfortable, 
so that in that discomfort, we might be transformed, made new, made to reflect our most potential, the best ways that we could live our lives today. In a few moments, we are going to celebrate some baptisms, which is a really beautiful and fun thing for me. It's one of my favorite things. In baptism, we use water. We use water to wash us, to sort of ritually remind us that we are washed clean in God's love. We use oil, and the sign of the cross is marked on the forehead of the one baptized with the words, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. This mark is something that can never be taken away or diminished. The Holy Spirit, Christ, God's love is forever sealed upon our bodies in baptism. And in baptism, we are baptized into the life and death and resurrection of Christ. In the back of the church, in front of our baptismal fonts, where the water will be, stands the Paschal candle. And this candle is lit only at certain times. This candle is lit during a baptism. This candle is lit at Easter and during the whole 50-day season of Easter. And this candle is lit at funerals. Because we remember we are baptized into the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. We live in this world in the ways in which we live and move. With our feet planted firmly in the kingdom of the world and also God's reign. There are ways in which Christ and others, like Bill, are looking into us and seeing our potential, seeing what can be drawn out of us, and that is celebrated and recognized at a baptism. Christ drawing out all that we can be. This morning, as we all reaffirm our baptism, as we baptize two new people into this life in Christ, I invite you to let the words wash over you. Take them into your hearts and let them transform you. Christ is seeking to build God's family. They're families we are born into and they're families that we choose. I like to think of the church as a chosen family. A chosen family to encourage each other, to support each other, to lift each other up, to challenge each other, and to help learn how to be the best we may be. In closing, I'd like to offer this prayer from Stephen Shakespeare. God of Abraham, Moses, and the prophets, your covenant binds us as sisters and brothers. Help us to overcome the scandal of poverty, the fixed chasm of indifference, 
and to recognize you in the wounded poor. Through Jesus Christ, the builder of bridges, 